where did they teach you to talk like that? In some Panama City sailor want a hump hump bar? Or is it getaway day and your last shot at his whiskey? So crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It is great to have you. It is November 22nd, and as of today, we have 58,764,574 worldwide cases of COVID-19, with 1,390,454 deaths. I got a great show for you today. That's right. And the Devil's Advocate... I'm going to be answering a question sent in by a listener. Thank you so much for the question. Anton LaVey was just a Satanist. We're going to get into that and more. There's some buried info in there. And in the Infernal Informant, Michigan House Speaker floats possibility of a constitutional crisis. Well, we got to talk a little politics. It is politicking season, after all. And Fauci says Santa Claus has innate immunity. Won't be spreading COVID-19 to anyone this Christmas. We're going to get into it. <laughs> There's a lot to get into. And then in the creature feature, the immortality key, the secret history of a religion with no name. If you know me, you know I'm obsessed with ancient culture, with human evolution and origins and society's progress. This is money. We're going to get into it at the tail end of the show. Thank you guys so much for joining us live. Maddie, my goodness, how you doing, man? It's been a bit. Valeria, how are you, my dear? Jason, how you doing? It's been a bit there as well. William, always great to see you. Dog, dog, come on. How you doing, hon? Good to see you. Gary, what's up, man? Wes Vanderpool in the his house. <laughs> Thanks for joining, man. It's good to see you. Stephanie, it's always great to see you too. Maybe even more than Wes. <laughs> Rod, what's up? All right, we're going to get into some pretty silly stuff here. But I want to have fun. I want... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know any satanic content creators that just get on and start talking into a mic and just want to have fun. Most of them try to be all ooky and evil and have like really deep intros and deep voices because everyone knows that Satan has like a deep evil voice. Um, well, fuck all that noise. I just want to have a good time and I want to talk a little Satanism in the process. So we're gonna do just that in this episode. Um, some news before we get into the show. This week, my son is going to be 19 years old. 19. Oi. <laughs> that means that I am 19 years older than I picture myself in my head. <laughs> Which is kind of bananas, if I'm being honest with you. It's kind of bananas, having a 19-year-old. Uh, I am going to go insane when he's 21. Uh, that's going to be fucking crazy town but 19 I, when i when i reflect on where i was at 19 and where he is 
we are very different people. <laughs> I was down a completely different road than he is right now. So, um, I don't know. I think at least for that alone, I'm glad that he is where he is and his head is where it is and it isn't where I was at that time. But you can't help but reflect, you know? It's going to be wild. 19. All right. Well, it's also Thanksgiving week, or if some of you may prefer gluttony week. I'm going to have a lot of time because we typically take the second half of this week off. So it's going to be a long weekend, so I may do some extra videos and stuff like that on the channel. So if you want to tune in, that would be awesome, you know? So just be prepared for that. Um, when I don't have much to do, I tend to produce stuff. I tend to create. Um, at your detriment. <laughs> I, I, I assume. But, you know. Oh, you feel like Satan would have an English accent, huh, dog? Sexy uh, Canterbury Tales. Proper British accent, possibly. <laughs> the, the Milton version of romantic Satan. I like that. I dig it. Um, how about we dive into The Devil's Advocate and have a little bit of fun with this idea that Anton LaVey was just an atheist. Maddie, I'm always down for a conversation with you. Anytime, my man. Anytime. All right, let me throw up a fun image of the doc hair doctor himself. So from time to time, I get correspondence from the audience. And they ask questions. And what I love about not only just producing satanic content, but just being a Satanist in a position to hear what other Satanists think, questions that they may have, I feel genuinely honored to be in a position to reply to that stuff. Um, I love it. And, and it always forces me to reflect on the fact that though I feel like I am content in my understanding of Satanism for the most part, not every Satanist is. And there are still, you know, I often reflect solipsistically, everyone must be where I am because I've been producing content for a decade, you know, nearly a decade anyway. And so everything that I know and have learned in this time, everyone else must have as well. Well, and that just isn't the case. There are new people coming into this religion every single day. And they just don't have that history, you know? Some people don't even have accessibility to the literature. And so really, online is the only time they can really stretch their satanic wings, as it were. And as we all know, Online is the worst place you could possibly go for any form of information ever because it is nearly always wrong. So you got to vet your info. Churchofsatan.com, people. That's the place you got to go. Um, that being said, I get some pretty interesting questions that I don't know the greater context behind. And so I'm forced to create the context myself. I'm going to read this question off and you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. I would like to know how I should respond to anyone who says Anton was just an atheist playing dress up. Go along with it and patronize them or defend it. 
There's a lot buried into that simple question. I would like to know how I should respond to anyone who says Anton was just an atheist playing dress up. I can see a lot of different sides to that. Well, the fact is, Anton LaVey was an atheist. There is no God in heaven. There is no devil in hell. We are our own gods. He created the Church of Satan, which then codified the religion of Satanism through the Satanic Bible afterward. That's the fundamental principles of this religion. And so I cannot disagree with the idea that Herr Doctor was simply an atheist playing dress up. But I also can't just let it rest there because it is so much more than just that. It's a very simplifying definition, almost, almost derogatory in its simplicity. Because the truth, if anyone has ever read anything about the religion of Satanism, is anything but simple. It is infinitely complex and it entirely depends on where you are in your life and in your mental development to whether or not you're ever going to understand any of the conceptual principles within it or how you're actually going to apply those to your life, which is actually the point of the religion. So there's so much buried into that, right? So how would you, how would you even respond to that? But then there's a second side of this. And the question is, do I go along with the premise that Anton LaVey was simply an atheist playing dress up and patronize them, which I'm assuming the way that that's phrased is he doesn't think he was an atheist. And so he's going to make fun of the people saying that he was an atheist or he doesn't think that they were, he was simply an atheist. And so he's going to make fun of the people that think he was simply an atheist. And the second half is or defend it or defend the fact that, yeah, he was just an atheist playing dress up. Um, I always err on the side of, I don't give a fuck <laughs> if, and I'm going to be honest with you, I communicate Satanism on a regular basis, but if in the outside world, I'm in a casual conversation with someone who tries to shit on Satanism or somehow try to, um, uh, minimize the impact that Anton LaVey had on world culture at large. If someone's going to try to do something like that, I don't even want to engage. There's no point in me engaging because all they're trying to do is elicit a reaction. They're trying to get me to jump through some sort of hoop for them because there is literally no argument that Anton LaVey had more impact on popular culture around the world than any other religious figure. Hands down, period, of our entire and our parents and our grandparents and their grandparents' lifetimes. You, like, you cannot argue it. You can look at the, our modern pope, right? And I don't say ours as in, like, my personal, but the acting pope right now. He is fundamentally changing Catholicism right now. But the impact that he is having on that religion is nothing compared to the impact that the doctor had on the world stage when he so brazenly declared year one of the age of fire and Satanism as a fundamental religion to be respected and acknowledged. No one comes close to that. 
And you can look back to philosophers that inspired the doctor in order to formulate the religion. But the fact is that none of them had the impact that he had after distilling their thoughts into the core elixir of infernal majesty that is Satanism. No one had it. And so if you run across someone that is trying to spout off some sort of ridiculous nonsense, minimizing the role of uh, the doctor on the world stage, or trying to minimize the religion of Satanism, well, there's nothing that you're going to say that's going to make them happy except to overreact. And so my preferred statement is just to say, whatever, and move on. Not even to engage, not even to acknowledge, because that's all they want. Okay? Now, if you're having an honest conversation with genuine people who are curious, and that's what they come out with, well, 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 you've got a conversation on your hands because you have nothing but everything, every bit of information at your fingertips. You can start with his history of distilling human nature, witnessing the hypocrisy of the human animal and religion, existing in the dark and seedy underbelly, and then coming out of all of that and creating a religion unlike anything else that not only acknowledges the basic fact that there is no God, but also celebrates the individual above all other things. And the fact that you don't have to care. You don't have to shit on other people in order to be a powerful individual. You don't have to step on others to have authority in your own life. And the fact that you can take control of your own life. And let's not forget, you do it all with style. <laughs> I mean, come on. No one's done that. Ever. Period. So, yes and no, the doctor was just an atheist. But no, he wasn't just an atheist. And how you react to people who simply make that statement is entirely up to you being able to read the room. And here's something that Satanists don't usually get right, especially early on, and if you've ever seen any news clip. Satanists are not particularly good at reading the vibe of a room. They always come in a little too heavy, a little too loaded, a little too condescending, or a little too ignorant. And that's unfortunate, because the fact is, is if you actually meet Satanists, by and large, they're very intelligent individuals. Um... That being said, if you genuinely want to have a conversation, okay, if you can read the room and the room says that they genuinely are curious, then you can just let them know that Anton LaVey was the founder of the organization, the Church of Satan, and the codifier of the religion of Satanism. And as much as he was a Satanist, uh, I'm sorry, as much as he was an atheist, um, he sort of twisted the idea into atheism. And this is reinforced and, and arguably platformed uh, more powerfully by our current high priest, Magus Peter H. Gilmore. Um, by defining yourself as an atheist, 
and not an atheist, you separate yourself from all of those weird, crazy, militant atheists out there that are, you know, bent on proselytizing atheism from people just trying to live their own lives and be in control of their own lives. And I think that that's an important distinction. But the fact that you're defining yourself as an atheist, it's a little bit different than just saying you're an atheist, right? It's taking responsibility for your life. It's standing up and saying, I'm going to make mistakes. I am flawed. I recognize that, but I'm working on it. And I don't need an external imaginary friend to help me get there. I'm strong enough to be able to do that on my own or at least work in the direction that I find important. That's a level of responsibility that other religions don't even ask of their uh, sheep, <laughs> of their followers. They don't even pretend it's an option. They say, look to your greater God. He will help you. Or, it's okay to be a sinner. You're just a poor pathetic being. Continue to uh, dig yourself the hole that you will eventually die in. No, 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 Oh, we're sinners. We're the best sinners on the block. But we're not going to do it to our detriment. We're smart enough to see the difference between compulsion and indulgence and to celebrate indulgence. We take control over ourselves. And that enriches every single person around us because simply we don't have to step on other people. It's not just simply saying that I'm an atheist and I discard all other religious people. It's different than that. I am an atheist. I believe in something really strongly, and that is myself. And I am my own God, and sometimes I am a vengeful God. And sometimes I'm forgiving and benevolent God. And it is up to me to decide on my whim. There is strength in that. But then let's not forget the fact that Hair Doctor was a magician. He genuinely believed and practiced satanic magic. And we all know satanic magic comes in two definable forms, lesser and greater magic. So lesser magic is your actions through life and greater magic is that psychodrama that's going to help you get over those hurdles that you cannot normally get over on your own through the use of lesser magic. And utilizing these tools is essential to what defines a Satanist Versus what defines an atheist. So you can't simply say that Anton LaVey was just an atheist when he clearly wasn't. Not just in uh, public persona and presentation, but in private action. He's a completely different creature. He was a Satanist. Um, and so those, that fundamental idea that, yes, atheism purports this idea that there is no God. And we are definitely in line with that. But there's a huge difference if you've ever actually met a sat or an atheist. Um, most atheists I meet are very much proselytizing atheists. They, and what I term militant atheists. It's like finding a vegan that's just like um, quiet and unto themselves. That is very rare. Most vegans, certainly anecdotally, you're going to find in social media and popular culture. They're vocal. They're proselytizing vegans. They're not just, I'm going to live my own life vegans. Those are the rare ones. Just like those are the rare atheists. Again, this is all anecdotal. 
Um, we're not that. We are different. We, Satanism does not believe in proselytizing. We don't go out on street corners and try to convert people to believe what we believe or think what we believe. Because the fact is, is most people can't live up to the expectations that Satanists have, not just for themselves, but other Satanists. So we don't want the masses. We want the rare, exceptional individual that is willing to put themselves on the line to test their metal on a daily basis and to try to live up to the principles of their own making. That's hard. That is not easy. So again, read the room. I don't know what you have in your head behind that statement, but the doctor was an atheist and he very much was not just an atheist. And whether or not you patronize the individuals making that statement or you defend the statement, again, as a Satanist, read the room. It's up to you to decide. I typically do not engage in a public arena because they're not there for honest discourse. If I'm in a private confines of someone's home or my home and we're having drinks or we're listening to music and the question comes up, then I'll get into it as long as I can feel like they're willing to receive what I'm saying. And the second that they stop, I stop. Because I don't want to convert people. I don't care if anyone else finds themselves in this religion. I don't care. That's not important to me. The fact is I do. And what should be important to you is the fact that you do. And that you challenge and live up to that responsibility. And it's a heavy fucking weight to bear. But if you're a Satanist, you can. You find a way. All right, let's see what you guys say here. Maddie, uh, I think the biggest problem with people not understanding the religion and its meanings and teachings, it, oh, where'd it go? Dang it. Is that of which people haven't learned themselves and who they truly are, first, honestly. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, most people, and that's, that's, the, that's the wonderful part of Satanism, right? Is the discovery of who you actually are. This, this religion is so wonderful in that it actually affords you the opportunity to discover that. And so you meet someone who declares themselves a Satanist after having read the Satanic Bible on day one, and you meet them a decade later, and I guarantee they're a different fucking person. There's no way they're the same person. You can't be the same person when you walk through fire. You just can't. And that's what finding yourself in the religion of Satanism is all about. It's walking through fucking hell and coming out on the other side an empowered human being. Uh, you think the Venn diagram version, all Satanists are atheists, but not all atheists are Satanists. We're a subset of atheists. Atheists all lack belief in God. We add a belief in Satanic concepts. Absolutely. Hells yes. Um, oh, you were just talking to us about at book club. Nice. Well, we suffer from the flair of the dramatic. I don't know about suffer. We indulge in the flair for the dramatic. We've understood that we could never be without the baggage that religion gave us. And instead of just removing God, he tried to replace that void with things that would serve us. That's an interesting way to look at it. I like that. Uh, people that minimize our religion because we are atheists are typically the same people that don't even flinch in recognition of the Buddhist religion. All right. I could see that. Um, 
just leave the room and let them burn themselves down. Well, there you go. Can you please punctuate all your points with a spicy lick on the guitar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, all right, so that's all I had for this. Uh, I, I really do appreciate the the email correspondence, and I hope that my response was helpful to you, though I'm going to be honest and I'm not sure it is. <laughs> Because there are so many factors involved, it's not a yes and no, right or wrong answer that can be given by anyone, right? Uh, because we're Satanists, you have to take that responsibility upon yourself and identify the best way to move forward. That's the struggle of Satanists. Um, listening to some asshat speaking into a microphone is not going to solve anyone's problems. It could probably exacerbate them, <laughs> if I'm being honest. But thank you guys so much for this uh correspondence i do appreciate it and i hope you found something of worth let's do a little infernal informant this next image and we will dive into this we can do a little bit of politicking it's only one story so if you don't like politics grit your teeth because <laughs> it's coming michigan house speaker floats possibility of constitutional crisis this is from detroitnews.com the board of state canvassers meets monday to consider certifying michigan's statewide election results including president-elect joe biden's 154,000 vote victory but top republican party leaders have asked the board to delay certification in a bid to investigate quote anomalies and irregularities they claim occurred in the election the board features two Republicans and two Democrats. Many legal experts believe the panel has a duty under Michigan law to certify the results. Quote, if there were to be a 2-2 split in the state board of canvassers, it would then go to the Michigan Supreme Court to determine what their response would be, what their order would be. Chatfield, Republican, Levering said on Fox and Friends Sunday, if they didn't have an order that it be certified, well, now we have a constitutional crisis in the state of Michigan. It's never occurred before. The Board of State Canvassers participates in a very straightforward and perfunctory process, John Pirich, a longtime elector's attorney in Michigan, said in the group's press release. Auditing the election is not within its scope of duties. The board is only responsible for reviewing the vote calculations and signing them. This process has nothing to do with discretion or the board members' political leanings. If the board certifies the results under state law, Michigan's 16, 16 electoral votes go to Biden, who won the state by 14 times the margin Trump won by four years ago. The Electoral College meets on December 14. Many legal experts believe if the board doesn't certify the results, the courts will order the results be certified. 
On Saturday, Michigan Republican Party Chairwoman Laura Cox and Republican National Committee Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel asked the state to conduct a, quote, full, transparent audit before certification, noting other states like Georgia have taken discretionary steps in determining their results. But Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, Michigan's top elections official, has said an audit cannot be completed prior to the certification of results because election officials do not have legal access to the documents needed to complete audits under the certification. Still, Cox and McDaniel have argued it's possible to investigate some claims made in affidavits and unbalanced poll books in Wayne County while still complying with the December 8 deadline for certification. The states are required to certify by the safe harbor date or invite court or congressional intervention. Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky, Republican Clark Lake, tweeted Sunday that the election process must be free of intimidation and threats. Whether the Board of Canvassers certifies our results tomorrow or decides to take a full time allowed by law to perform their duties, it's inappropriate for anyone to exert pressure on them, Shirky said. Chatfield, Shirky, and five other Michigan lawmakers traveled to Washington, D.C. to meet with Trump on Friday. Chatfield and Shirky said that they used their time with the nation's leader to push for additional federal relief to help the state cope with the COVID-19 pandemic. On Sunday, the House Speaker said Trump didn't ask lawmakers to interfere with the election certification process. Chatfield said Republicans want to look into irregularities and these reports of fraud. However, there has been no evidence released that calls into question Biden's 154,000 vote victory in Michigan. In an interview Tuesday, Shirky said that he doesn't expect the results of the state's presidential race to change. That last line, I'm going to read it again. In an interview Tuesday, Shirky said he doesn't expect the results of the state's presidential race to change. Says everything. Republicans are not calling into question this election because they have actual questions about this election. They're doing it because they know that their party's been hijacked by the Trump cult and by Trump cult followers. And the only way that they're going to begin or be able to continue their uh, um, careers in politics is to bow down to Herr Leader, Der Führer. That's literally the only way. Everyone is so fired up about protecting Trump's fucking feelings, they're willing to completely break norms with elections. It doesn't matter anymore whether he lost. It's about his feelings. And we need to do everything we can to soften his feelings. We all know there's not going to be any changes. We know everything's going to be certified proving that he lost. But we need to pamper with feelings until it's official. And you're going to tell me, Michigan lawmakers, that you traveled to meet with Trump and you didn't bring up the election? Really? Really? You lying fucking pieces of shit. Those irregularities that no one has been able to prove in any fucking court case that has been put up in many different fucking states just happen to be genuine curiosities now after you've met with the wine, fucking whiny bitch in fucking chief. Really? 
See, because this group already said that they didn't want to certify the elections, and then they did certify the elections. And then they said, oh, well, we want to rescind our certification after having met with Trump. How weak and feckless, how pathetic is the Republican fucking party? Oh, everyone needs to coddle the Fuhrer. His feelings are hurt. Grow the fuck up! It's been over for 17 days! No legal battle that has been presented has any legitimacy. And they've all been stricken down. And by every single person of authority, they have certified that this election is the most secure in all of American history thus far. And still you question. Why? Not because there's genuine problems, but because you're terrified of a whiny bitch tweeting about you. You pathetic piece of shit! And every single one of you fucking worthless pieces of shit out there backing these fucking feckless lawmakers are part of the problem! Grow up! Sometimes you win elections, sometimes you lose elections. Be a fucking adult about it! When every fucking Democrat was crying in their fucking tea last election cycle, none of them, none of them, cried to their fucking uh, congressional lawmakers and forced them to question the election results. They protested, as is your American fucking duty, but they accepted that this is the next president, not my president, but the next president. But these whining MAGA pieces of fucking shit won't even do that. They're too fucking pathetic. They can't accept the fact that they're a fucking minority, that they're fucking weak and pathetic, that they're not actually strong. And their actions are proving how fucking weak and pathetic they actually are. Oh, we got the numb, not, we got the guns. We're the fucking strong ones. Fuck you. We got guns too. You're not strong. You're pathetic. You need to fucking grow the fuck up. Just because you don't like the results of the election does not mean that it's fucking riddled with problems. It just means that you are riddled with problems. Fucking losers. Every goddamn one of you. It's so fucking pathetic. And everyone fucking peddling this fucking, oh, there's questions in an election. There, someone heard or someone saw something. It's never firsthand. And when it is firsthand and you bring those people up, they won't sign. They won't sign actual legal documents saying that, yes, this actually happened. You know why? Because it didn't. They're making it up because their Fuhrer told them to. That's it! That's it! That's the whole fucking thing! The fact that we are even allowing the minority who are fucking pathetic sad losers to continue defining the conversation of this election is fucking pathetic! So let me ask you, Democrats. Congratulations on your eek buy of a victory. Where the fuck are you? Why the fuck are you allowing this nonsense shenanigan bullshit to continue. You're gonna let the Der Fuhrer 
define and try to completely overturn this fucking legal and fair election? The will of the people, as it were? Why don't you stand up and actually defend your positions and your actual win? Stop letting them define the fucking conversation, you pathetic pieces of shit yourselves. This is why Democrats fucking lose. This is why they have such a hard time eking by victory. Because they're fucking pathetic! They don't stand up for themselves! And when they do, the corporate Democrat party shits on the progressive side that is fighting for themselves and tries to minimize them because, again, they're bought and sold just like the fucking Republicans. It's pathetic. <sighs> Pieces of shit. You think they all cheated and both sides are pissed that their cheating wasn't effective because each side has bought the cult of personalities as <laughs> their side? I think that's totally wrong. Um, I think definitely the Republican side is cult of personality, but I don't know anyone that is cult of fucking Biden. I don't know anyone that voted for Biden that is like, yeah, <laughs> there is no cult of personality with Biden or Democrats. There is simply, we can't fucking deal with another four years of this travesty. Our earth, our country our citizens cannot deal with another four years of this travesty. So we have to go with anyone else. It could be tapioca pudding. <laughs> and they would have voted for him. I didn't even think he would win at all. I thought as soon as the Democratic Party, the DNC said that Biden was the fucking choice, that it was over. Because let's be honest, it's Biden. What I didn't count on was how fired up people are in their hatred of Trump as much as I am. And how horrible he actually is as a fucking president and a businessman and a father and a husband and a human. But what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, Douglas, it is absolutely <laughs> me getting fired up. Well, the truth is, is, I don't, like, outside of these conversations, I don't, I don't stress about it too much. I just like getting animated. It's fun for me. Um, yeah, Michigan, grow some balls. Like, honestly. And, and here's the thing. If it's within the legal precedent, by all means, investigate to your heart's content. It's your legal right. I, I don't want to get in your way of doing due process, you know, discovery. Of course. It's everyone's fucking right. Whether you, If you don't want to accept the results, that's fine. Challenge them. Question them. Have recounts. That is your right. But don't go beyond deadlines that have been set in precedent and investigations that have been set in precedent. Because ultimately, you're just dragging down the country with your pathetic refusal to accept failure. That's it. The fact that we have someone in office who can't even accept that he lost is such a sad state of affairs. Every president that has lost, has accepted it. Everyone! You're gonna be the one to break it, you pathetic piece of shit? Well, if anyone would, it would be you, because you are a sad, whiny bitch. Um, have you seen Giuliani's multiple fuck-ups here? <laughs> yeah, dude. He is a monster of a human. Oh, he is a monster. <clears throat> tapioca pudding 2024 i'm down i will i will vote for tapioca pudding 2024 
I guarantee I will if it is on the ballot. Uh, oh, gosh. It's just so sad. And okay, fine. Again, if it's within their legal right, yes, allow them. Let's not get in their way. Like it, it's, it's sad. We can all acknowledge it. But it's a legal right. So let them do it. We know. They know. In that last line, they know that it's not going to overturn the results. And so, fine. Let's fucking let the baby play with the fucking shit until he feels satisfied or we feel like we can't let him play with it anymore. But the longer you continue this charade, the more degraded this country's election becomes. And not just this one. You think this is just the only one that's going to be marred by this? No. No. Trumpism, just like the Tea Party, is going to morph into something worse. Yeah. The Trump cult... They were the fucking evolution of the Tea Party. QAnon is the evolution of the Trump cult. You think QAnon's insane? Wait till what comes next. Because Republicans don't have logic. They're fucking insane. They believe Democrats are lizard fucking people that eat children. That's what QAnon believes. And that's what's in and feeding the Republican Party. One was actually elected in the Senate. You don't think I'm serious. This shit's real. They're insane. Holy fuck. So you think it's crazy now. Wait till you see where it goes. Fucking Republicans. Unbelievable. Uh, he's going to need more than that, baby doll. <laughs> he's going to need a lot more than that. All right, next article. It's just fucking crazy times. And the, the the willingness of Republicans to go along with his shenanigans is just mind-blowing. They know the writing on the wall. They can see it. And they're just like, mm -hmm, let's keep going. Let's give the fucking baby a popsicle. Oy vey. All right. Fauci says Santa Claus has innate immunity. Won't be spreading COVID-19 to anyone at Christmas. Oh, boy. This is a USA Today article. I don't know how to begin this. Santa is exempt from this because Santa, of all the good qualities, has a lot of good innate immunity, Fauci told USA Today this week. It should come as no surprise, as children already know, Santa is superhuman. He flies around the world in one night, delivers millions of toys, and eats his weight in cookies. But with millions of Americans already sick with COVID-19, children have been worried about Santa, especially the, this Christmas Eve when he visits millions of home and there's no denying that santa because he is older and overweight would at first glance appear to be at higher risk of developing severe disease of covid19 Fauci tells children not to worry though santa is not going to be spreading any infections to anybody he says santa has also been taking coronavirus precautions he's been making few appearances this holiday season and he is social distancing for example he's taking more zoom calls and his limited visits to stores and malls will mostly be behind glass santa does not want the kids to line up waiting to see him because he doesn't want to spread germs santa gets sad if the kids or other families are sick so this year santa will be watching you from afar giving gifts of good health and only visiting when no one's around on christmas eve and santa's what the fuck are we doing? What the fuck are we doing? What? Let's put a pin 
in the Santa part of this. And let's talk about the actual realities behind this idea of Santa. Because <laughs> there are families around the world that struggle every Christmas to live up to this Santa bringing kids toys story. Every year, it's a struggle for some people. People go into debt to live up to this fantasy that is perpetuated by popular culture. This year, we have lost jobs at an unprecedented rate. What do you think is going to happen to kids on Christmas morning when their parents can't buy them presents, but you have fucking asshats like Fauci saying Santa's not going to have any problems with this COVID-19 pandemic. He's going to deliver toys on time. And then the kids wake up on Christmas morning and they don't find any fucking toys because their parents couldn't afford the fucking toys because they lost their fucking jobs because you told them they couldn't work anymore. And so their fucking jobs went the way of the fucking dodo bird. What do you think they're going to have to tell their kids at that point? You weren't good enough? Fauci said that Santa could make it, Mommy and Daddy. Where are my toys? What the fuck are you doing? It's bad enough that we have to live up with this unrealistic expectation as parents. That if you challenge the norm and you just are honest with your kids, you're the bad parent. If your kids go to school and they say that Santa isn't real. You're the bad one. You're the one with the problem for being honest. What about all these fucking people that are living under this fucking delusion? And the reality is that they can't deliver on their promises that they've made. And the fucking credit cards are maxed out to pay the rent. And they're eking by to get their fucking uh, food for their children to eat. And now you have the fucking most expensive holiday season of the year. Santa's not going to get COVID, kids, so he's going to come. But he can't come because my pockets are fucking empty. What the fuck are we doing? It's pathetic. It's fucking sad. So yeah, if you're one of those honest adults with your kids, or your kids are old enough to have discovered it on them on their own, uh, and they realize the truth of the matter, then yeah, you have to hang your fucking head in shame and say, I'm sorry, I want to do something for you but we're already in debt because the government told me I couldn't work and we couldn't go outside. What am I supposed to do? And if you do feed into the delusion, now you gotta lie more. You gotta dig into the lie. And it's being fucking perpetuated by our culture. The people that we're supposed to trust with fucking... With our lives. You could easily just say that this season should not be affected. Just don't gather in groups. 
and leave it at that. But you're digging in. People are fucked. And you're digging in. Congress is doing dick to help the American people. I don't know how it is around the rest of the world. But in America, we're in a recession. People are losing jobs. And we are hitting a second or a third wave harder than we hit the first wave. People are fucking dying at unprecedented rates. More than when the virus first hit in America. And it is sweeping the entire country. And we're going to pretend like it's not going to affect Christmas? Fuck, stores aren't even open on Black Friday. Which is the biggest store day of the year. You're just setting every parent up to be a fucking piece of shit. You've already fucking hit them in the fucking head with a fucking bat. They're on the ground bleeding out, trying their best to survive. And now you're going to come up and kick him in the ribs. Well, congratulations. Santa's immune. I hope everyone is as fortunate as I am. That it's not going to affect. That they've been able to fight through this fucking pandemic this year. That their jobs, though precarious as they may be, have fucking survived thus far. Because your government isn't fucking helping. They're not helping in action, and they're certainly not helping in conversation. It's just pathetic, man. All right, what do you guys think? Even NORAD and NASA will still play along with Santa Claus throwing, uh, spotting him on radar, yeah? I gave a printed version of this to a child <laughs> for work. Um, let's see. Businesses were bankrupted due to COVID-19 restrictions and families were affected. Yeah. We never did the Santa's thing with you. Uh, you wanted the kids to know what they got was worked for and what they didn't get was about economics, not how worthy they were. That's valid. That's a very fair way to do things. Uh, the letter had talked about how Santa's elves were having to work from home so they couldn't make as many toys. So prepare to not get everything you asked for. What the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? thing which infuriates you the most is if these fucks had just masked up and dialed back for like five weeks with supportive stimulus, we'd be past it by now and recovered. Yeah, well, if. <laughs> if only. If only. Uh, people are losing their jobs, their homes empty. Yeah, well, yeah, that's fucking life. That's what, that's, that's 2020. <laughs> that's the realities of this fucking new situation we're finding ourselves in um and it infuriates me because i know he thinks he's just being you know tongue-in-cheek cutesy and any other year that would have been fine who cares but if you're not struggling this year you're the exception you're not the rule if you're working regularly this year you're the exception. You're not the rule. If you have security financially, you're the exception. You're not the rule. And to have fucking assholes come on and just fucking dig that knife a little deeper. There's no need for it. You could have easily sidestepped it. 
And it, it goes on and talks about really ridiculous details and gets into whole, they like, they're manufacturing mythologies in order to sell this idea. It's just like, to what end? To what end? What do you, so you feel better? So kids feel disappointed? Like, for who? Who are you doing this for? Because no one is coming out clean on the other side of it. We got to move on, man. We got to move on. Like, if, if, if you want to entertain this idea for, you know, some years for the kids, fine, okay. But this year's different. This year's different for everyone, for the whole fucking world. And you can't pretend that it's not. You can't just act like it's not. Meet reality on its own terms. Don't live in a fucking fantasy world. All right, let's do a little creature feature. Oh, geez, my, <laughs> my do is <laughs> getting all messed up from my head bobbing. Let's do a little creature feature. I'm going to throw up this image, and while I'm throwing this image, I'm going to admit that I have not finished this book as of yet. I am three-fourths the way through it, but I'm blown away. Um, and let me also preface this by saying I'm obsessed with ancient human cultures and history as related to us versus the truth of history. And the fact that what we believe is history is a lie and that as archaeology and historians are honest about discoveries that they make, we realize how much of a lie we've been believing for so long. And that our human ancestry goes much longer than we thought it did. But this is part of science, is the discovery and the questioning and the realizing of new truths, new facts, new stories. Um, and so... I am always infatuated with the what-ifs, the myths of ancient man, of ancient cultures, because in that lies truth. And there's people like Graham Hancock who challenge those ideas, and like um, Brian C. Morescu, who challenge those notions, find evidence of them, and present that evidence. Uh, this book is along that same line of challenging established norms and bringing evidence to bear to support their ideas. I'm also a huge fan of psychedelics. I've Since I've been a, in high school, um, my history with LSD has maybe colored my life a little bit too much. Um, I stopped using it uh, as soon as I went into the military. And so... Um, from time to time, I may have explored a mushroom at time or two, <laughs> or maybe more than one or two mushrooms. Um, but I do genuinely believe that there is introspective truths that one can find through the use of psychedelics in a safe environment and not by 
overindulging in them. That being said, I do not suggest anyone ever use any drugs, period. It is an individual decision that you make, and you must suffer those consequences, not necessarily legally, but sometimes physiologically. Um, so, that being said, <clears throat> that's why I love these types of stories. So, The Immortality Key, The Secret History of the Religion with No Name, written by Brian C. Murinescu, Murinescu, um, is a deep dive into an ancient tradition that predates Greek Dionysus and this idea of using psychedelics in a religious capacity in order to stretch your human experience into something greater. I don't personally believe that there is any greater anything, um, but the fact is, is that psychedelics have helped people cope with PTSD and depression and many mental issues that they suffer from. And it's not a big leap to suggest that people believe in God and miracles while they're under the effects of psychedelics. And that being said, this book falls right in line with that. And so let me give you a little bit of background so you don't think this is just some kook who wrote this, because it's not. It's a fucking scholar. So, um, Brian graduated Phi Beta Kappa from Brown University with a degree in Latin, Greek, and Sanskrit. As an alumnus of Georgetown Law and a member of the New York Bar, he has been practicing law internationally for 15 years. He lives outside Washington, D.C. with his wife and two daughters. In 2016, Murarescu became the founding executive director of Doctors for Cannabis Regulation. Their work has been featured on CNN and ESPN, as well as the Washington Post and San Francisco Chronicle. In arbitration with the NFL in 2018, Murarescu represented the first professional athlete in the United States to seek a therapeutic use exemption for cannabis. The Immortality Key is his debut book. It was published by St. Martin's Press. This is from the publisher's website. It is a basic outline of the book. I think it is intriguing enough that it's worth me reading to explain the book better than I could explain it. So... A groundbreaking dive into the role of psychedelics have played in the origins of Western civilization and the real-life quest for the Holy Grail that could shake the church to its foundations. The most influential religious historian of the 20th century, Houston Smith, once referred to it as the best-kept secret in history. Did the ancient Greeks use drugs to find God? And did the earliest Christians inherit the same secret tradition, a profound knowledge of visionary plants, herbs, and fungi passed from one generation to the next ever since the Stone Age. There is zero archaeological evidence for the original Eucharist, the sacred wine said to guarantee life after death for those who drink the blood of Jesus. The Holy Grail and its miraculous contents have never been found. In the absence of any hard data, whatever happened at the Last Supper remains an article of faith for today's 2.5 billion Christians. In an unprecedented search for real answers, the Immortality Key examines the archaic roots of the ritual that is performed every Sunday for nearly one-third of the planet. Religion and science converge to paint a radical picture of Christianity's founding events, and after centuries of debate to solve history's greatest puzzle once and for all. Before the birth of Jesus, the ancient Greeks found salvation in their own sacraments. Sacred beverages were routinely consumed as part of the so-called ancient mysteries, elaborate rites that led initiates to the brink of death. The best and brightest 
from Athens and Rome flocked to the spiritual capital of Ulysses, where a holy beer unleashed heavenly visions for 2,000 years. Others drank the holy wine of Dionysus to become one with the god. In the 1970s, renegade scholars claimed this beer and wine, the original sacraments of Western civilization, were spiked with mind-altering drugs. In recent years, vindication of the disgraced theory has been quietly mounting in the laboratory. The cons constantly advancing fields of archaeobotany and archaeochemistry have hinted at the enduring use of hallucinogenic drinks in antiquity, and with a single dose of psilocybin, the psychopharmacologists at Johns Hopkins and NYU are now turning self-proclaimed atheists into instant believers, but the smoking gun remains elusive. In these sacraments surviving for thousands of years in our remote prehistory, from the Stone Age to ancient Greeks, they also survived into the age of Jesus. It was the Eucharist of the earliest Christians. In fact, was it a psychedelic Eucharist? With an unquenchable thirst for evidence, Murarescu takes the reader on his 12-year global hunt for proof. He tours the ruins of Greece with its government archaeologists. He gains access to the hidden collections of the Louvre Museum to show the continuity from pagan to Christian wine. He unravels the ancient Greeks of the New Testament with the world's most controversial priests. He spelunks into the catacombs under the streets of Rome to decipher the lost symbols of Christianity's oldest monuments. He breaches the secret archives of the Vatican to unearth manuscripts never before translated into English. And with leads from the archaeological chemists at the University of Pennsylvania and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, he unveils the first scientific data for the ritual use of psychedelic drugs in classical antiquity. The Immortal Key reconstructs the suppressed history of women consecrating a forbidden drugged Eucharist that was later banned by the church fathers. Women who were the targets uh, or who were targeted as witches during the Inquisition when Europe's sacred pharmacology largely disappeared. If the scientists of today had resurrected this technology, then Christianity is in crisis unless it returns to its roots. It also features a foreword by Graham Hancock, the New York Times bestselling author of America Before, the key to Earth's lost civilization. Again, I love this book. It, it, it reads like a, um, a Dan Brown novel, except it's real life. That's, <laughs> that's how crazy this stuff is. You wouldn't think. First of all, let me just say, of course ancient humans took drugs. Of course they did. That's how they exist today. It makes perfect sense. Of course they did. Not only do they say they did in their own myths and fables and histories, but we have archaeological evidence proving it. So to say somehow that the Christian beginnings were not draped steeply in ancient Greek Dionysian and Egyptian mythologies and practices is ignorant, but we have histories proving that they were. And this is just another example of how fucking amazing human history actually is and how the human experience, as diverse it is, is isn't really that diverse. <laughs> we're all pretty much the same. 
our experiences are pretty much the same. Our interpretations across the globe without any form of communication and technology in ancient past is pretty much the fucking same. That should say something about us as a species. I love that idea. That we are connected in our genetic core. That our experience... Look. I could be surrounded, and I've found myself, surrounded in a crowd of human beings. And I am desperately isolated and alone within myself. I do not feel connected to fucking any other human being. It is rare for me to find any connections. And when I do, they are so fucking rare that I latch onto them and I risk strangling them. It's hard for me to find any connection outside of myself. I genuinely, most of the time, feel very fucking isolated and alone to the point that it brings me to fucking tears. But to know that my experience is the exact same as ancient humans, that their experience way back in our beginnings as a species, or what I'm experiencing now, that makes me feel really fucking good. It makes me feel like the isolation that I feel isn't so bad. That I'm not actually as isolated as I think I am. And I don't need to be connected to other people. But it's nice that I, the weirdness that I feel within myself isn't abnormal at all. And my desire to question and explore my human experience is human in nature, is normal. And I don't need to feel normal, but I gotta be honest with you, sometimes it feels good just to say that this is normal. What I'm experiencing right now is normal. It's okay, it's okay to feel out of place. It's okay to not feel connected. It's okay to not connect with every fucking person that you meet in life. It's okay to question everything, even your own mind. Every religion that you try to ascribe yourself to. You challenge. That's okay. Because everyone's always done it for all of human experience. And you're just the latest in the line of it. And that kind of brings me a little bit of comfort. Um, and so I love this type of story and I love that it's unraveling parts of human history that most of us have already thought was real, but now there's evidence and data to support what we thought was real and that our desire to challenge the, con the concept of reality is a desire that every human has had from the beginning. And the act of challenging has been there from the beginning. Sometimes it goes in crazy places and you create religions. And sometimes you just discover who you are as a person. I like that. I do. All right. Bill Hicks joked that we evolved literally because we accidentally ingested this shit regularly. That's actually, I mean, I know that's a, a, a comedy um, bit that Bill Hicks uses, that's a genuine 
hypothesis that's out there that that human beings evolved we separated from our ape ancestors because of psychedelics specifically it's because of the use of psychedelics because the truth is is we naturally create the chemicals that psychedelics infuse into us it's just that the use of the external roots and fungus and plants actually enhances or will allow us to tap into what is already there dormant or it exploits it right so it's not like you're injecting some weird chemical into your body no no it's there right now already we're just taking it and amping it up and so i, I want to be very clear because i know if people watch this and they see a reverend in the church of satan saying that he has taken psychedelics and that um you know, he has not had negative experiences and he does not come out saying he's against it, that somehow people are going to try to twist that up with the organization of the Church of Satan. And I want to be very clear. The organization of the Church of Satan, the organization does not support the use of illegal substances of any kind. Period. The doctor, Anton LaVey, our founder, the man who codified this religion, was famously not a fan of drugs and he definitely spoke down to its use so i do not want to mix up anything but his preferences and the statement of the organization does not supersede your own personal decisions because if there's one overriding story amongst every satanist one overriding rule and that is that you make decisions on your own to abstain or to indulge in whatever. If it's legal or if it's not, you suffer the consequences either legally or physically for what you do. That's the truth. So I do not encourage anyone to indulge in anything, period. I do not encourage anything at all, no action in life. But I will say that I indulge in some actions that I find enjoyable, whether it's food or drink or my wife. <laughs> Or on the rare case, something else. And I hope that's clear. Because I do not think that my lifestyle is what everyone should do. I don't think it's what anyone should do except me. Because I am my own God. I make my own decisions. And I have to suffer the consequences of those. And I acknowledge that. And you need to too. Um, yeah, we're over an hour. Wow, we're much over an hour. Ten minutes over an hour. What am I doing? Talking too much. All right, well, thank you guys so much. Um, that's it for this episode of Nine Cents. I hope you enjoyed it. You can view past episodes uh, or my other satanic series on my website, reverendcampbell.com. If you enjoyed this episode or other satanic projects of mine, I would ask that you consider liking the video, subscribing to this YouTube channel. and That was a weird inhale snort. You hear that? <sighs> Is that uh, sign up to my email list and you can also subscribe to well actually that's not around anymore so now <laughs> sign up to the email list uh, I'll let you know what I'm talking about and when I'm talking about it and with whom I'm speaking about it with um, don't forget to give me a rate see I'm reading notes that are old <laughs> if you'd like to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan visit churchofsatan.com and until next week my fellow Satanists a hail 
feel like a Baptist priest. Hey, can I get a hail Satan? Hail Satan. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone.